Welcome to Sea Time, everybody. The off-road show okay, that brings you all the results, news, so and online shenanigans that make being online a good time. We'd like to say okay. thank you to Fly Racing for their support of Sea Time. Please go check them out at flyracing.com. Welcome to Sea Time, everybody. Brian Pierce here on this lovely Tuesday evening in southern Texas. Um, obviously, we are about 22 minutes behind schedule, but we are finally live. Uh, I can't even tell you what we've been going through. It's been quite interesting. Um, I do know that there are going to be some kind of a fun title because of all of this uh, that has to do with technical difficulties, maybe 3.0. I'm not too sure, but it's going to be something special. And I am going to go to Liam's bedroom tomorrow morning and find the adapter that he decided to walk off with and make a new play toy. So it'll be very, very interesting. Um, uh, apologies for last week um, for not having a show. Um, Coach Seiji got really sick, um, and he was telling me this the day before, thinking, you know, didn't know how he was going to feel. I mean, I woke up Tuesday morning sick as a dog, so it was just one of those days where we had to unfortunately cancel. Um, so, but we're back this week. Uh, again, technical difficulties are just something that we're working our way through. As you could tell, we have our new background. Uh, one of the things that we wanted to be like, hey, check it out. We've been working on all this stuff. And unfortunately, it just doesn't seem like we've been doing anything because we're over here like a bunch of uh, monkeys, you know, getting all up on a football uh, in all of the wrong ways possible. Uh, but we've been trying. We've been having fun with it. And hopefully uh, you guys have noticed all the difference. Uh, some of the new equipment comes in and we start to actually be able to uh, work in all of those fun changes for you guys. So uh, seat time, the online show for the off-road enthusiasts. If you're a beer drinker, bench racer, and you like to ride, race, dirt bikes, just be around the scene, this is definitely the show for you. Um, we go live every Tuesday night uh, from here on the website. You can as well. Uh, we archive everything on the so on the site. So seattime.co is the site. Uh, you can find us on Stitcher and iTunes as well. You just search for seat time. A uh, big shout out to all of our sponsors, uh, uh, Fly Racing being uh, the, the biggest of one of our supporters, um, PowerSport Graphics, and of course Stillwell Performance for this episode. All all big supporters of Seat Time, and very very thankful for that. Uh, we do have paraphernalia that you guys can buy for Seat Time. So SeatTime.BigCartel.com is where you can go for that. You can purchase uh, some of the quote shirts, some of our beer Olympics pint glasses that we have left over from last year, uh, some things like that. The more you purchase, the more we're going to be able to get in the future and have more fun with that kind of stuff. So please go check that out. We do have an announcement, um, big time, that's not even just house cleaning, is that we are going to have a new Pint Full of Awesome Award uh, brought to you by Fly Racing. Um, we're going to announce more about that later in the show, but it will involve the hashtag Pint Full of Awesome and you being as sociable as possible, if you will. Um, so yes, so that's kind of kind of it, I guess, to catch you guys up. Um, it only took me about two minutes to do that, so I'm feeling uh, pretty fruitful. So our guest this evening, uh, for those of you guys who don't know, Coach Seiji is Andrew Short and Jason Anderson's uh, trainer. I believe Jimmy Albertson as well, um, yeah. and, and here in Texas. Uh, he's an awesome dude. He's been on the show before, and we've had a great time talking to him. And one of the big questions while we were asking what everybody wanted us to talk about for coming into the new year was winter training and how guys stay fit over the winter. Now, the winter's kind of almost over, but we figure it's still a great topic. Now, we don't have to stay there, and I have a feeling for some of the questions that we have for Coach that we're going to go all over the place. So, Coach, to start things off, how are you doing? I'm doing a lot better. I was, I have never, I'm 45, dude, and I have never been that sick. Um, essentially, I had that flu, and I didn't know it, and I kept riding my bicycle out in California, and the flu turned into pneumonia, so I was way down. 
Uh, yeah, but I'm good now. I got two workouts and I'm feeling way more normal. So just catch me as I come back. Right. Oh, awesome. So you guys have had a fruitful year so far. With uh, looks like Andrew Short's in eighth place in points, and Jason Anderson is now in second place in points. Uh, there apparently there was a penalty um, that happened uh, there at, at A two. Do you know much about that penalty? Yeah, it, you know, no excuses. He did jump a little double uh, on a red cross flag. He came around a sweeper. Uh, the flag was to his left. It was just there. They, they weren't really waving it. The bike, I mean, I know exactly what happened. He looked ahead. The bike down the lane that was in the lane was pulled off the track at the time. So he just kind of doubled this tiny little double, and then he caught himself, knew he had made a mistake, rolled the rest of the section, and continued on with the race. Um, but everybody ahead of him, you know, Cooper and Cole, they had singled everything. So I have to admit it did, you know, gave it. You know, gave him a little advantage. He pulled some yardage on those people that were singling. Um, but, you know, he took it. He took the penalty. Um, it was very costly. It, you know, made his second become fourth, which knocked him out of the red plate by one point. So. Yeah. Well, um, so just tell us a little bit. I, I know we wanted to talk a, a little bit more overall training in a sense for some, you know, for riders and for dirt bike racers and see how we could work that into the off-road side of things but when it sure. comes to your specific riders like you know mainly like uh, your jimmy albertson's your andrew short and jason anderson what was it that you guys really focused on um kind of when you get into the winter when it's so cold that it's really hard to do anything outside and you guys are kind of forced to, to be indoors yeah um it's funny because you know at the pro level those people i mean it's their livelihood so they're going to do whatever it takes uh, Jimmy was stuck near you in Oklahoma when all that polar vortex came down. So he did get hosed, but like, you know, Jason and Andrew, they just go to California where there is nowhere. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. So I, I do know what you're talking about uh, with Jimmy. I know from my prior experience myself. Um, Wintertime for motocross, not so much for like, you know, the woods racing that you guys do because the season is different, but. The winter for Supercross and Motocross is actually the most important time because it is the option. So you can do a lot of work, a lot of higher intensity stuff, and it's not going to affect your race. So uh, most of the work is done then. Um, you know, if you're talking about the average guy that I would think would be your listener, uh, the important thing to me is since your listener doesn't have this really short season or whatever to compete for, it's not like they're you know, maybe they do have a series championship here and there, but it's not like they have to super-duper carefully monitor their training to reach a peak on this exact weekend. Uh, to me, the winner, it's about staying motivated for the rest of the year. Uh, you have to find a way. I mean, nobody likes to train at board. I, I don't know anybody who likes to train at board long-term. And so you have to find these ways to, uh, I call it the bank of motivation. You have to be able to put deposits in your bank of motivation so you can withdraw them later, say in August when it's 105 degrees. So, uh, you know, you might have these plans and you might have these things and goals for workouts in the winter. You need to be a lot more lenient with those. Uh, you know, if you have this goal, I got to keep my heart rate under 165. You know, in the winter, you're going to have to play with that and say, okay, well, I need to bore myself to tears on my trainer keeping my heart rate low, trying to watch TV to make it happen. 
far I could let it loose a little bit, go play basketball with my buddies one day here, you know, right. do something else. Um, it's, it comes down to motivation. Like, especially you got family and jobs. It's, I think it's almost impossible to spend your entire winter indoors on a trainer, on a rover, on a treadmill, and, you know, find those people in August and what happens, they're over, you know? Yep. It's uh it's funny. I I, I want to know. Uh I I have ridden on some rollers before. Typically whenever yeah. I do any kind of indoor cycling, it's on a, it's on a trainer, but I have been on rollers a couple times and if the first time you ever get on those things they're scary as shit. Have you ever fallen off of uh rollers before? Yeah, I used rollers a lot when I was racing bicycles in the winter and I used them with a fixed gear bike, which makes it a little uh, a lot, a lot more challenging. <laughs> yeah, so my coach made me use a. Uh, it was funny. He made me use a fixed gear track bike that was really twitchy, a really short wheelbase and really twitchy, and he uh, made me use shorter cranks. So normally I run one seventy three five cranks, and he made me run one sixty five. So I was on a really twitchy bike, spinning super fast. I can't let off because it's fixed gear. Uh, I was a sophomore or freshman in college, and I had, I've always been kind of an animal dork, so I had a 10-gallon aquarium fish tank on my dresser in front of me <laughs> where the roller was. And it, it was just, and I would like stare at the fish while I was on my roller, trying to calm my brain down. I just switched off the front, off the end of the roller, fell off the rollers, back tire hit the carpet, I shot forward like four inches bump the dresser and knock the 10 gallon aquarium over. And I was on the second floor of the apartment, you know, glass everywhere, fell down. It was like super embarrassing. My roommate was there, uh, killed my fish. Bad deal. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. That sounds pretty horrible. Something that yeah. uh, we had, uh, we had a trainer, uh, back when I was still at uh, RBM in Frisco here in Northern Texas. And, yeah. uh, we had a guy who was, who's a, a very good prominent road biker locally, and uh, he he was testing out some new bars, and uh, or, or it was a stem length. I think it was a stem length. Stem length. He was kind of playing around with. And so to do this, he was just kind of jumping on and off the rollers really quick, just to get a feel for it on something that he wanted to play with. And for some strange reason, he forgot to actually tighten the two pinch bolts on the stem. Uh, and yeah. so he like stood up to crank, and the bars just completely shifted on him. And because of that, he just pretty much, like, all of his body shifted to the right, and he just dove to the left and went straight to the ground, broke his collarbone, and, like, jacked up his shoulder. I mean, it's like, you know, the, the story you don't want to have to tell people of how much of a goon you just turned into. <laughs> I don't know hardly anybody that really uses rollers anymore. Seems like it's all like a lost art, you know? Yeah, and it, I remember uh, when I was doing a lot of BMX racing, I had some friends that really trained hard on uh, rollers for their for BMX, and I think they they were kind of saying because of the fact that you're it, it makes you focus on your sprint so much yeah. on staying yeah. extremely straight. Um, so get this, uh, they used to have both pedals and cranks, and I've used both. I think they were called power pedals, so they would ratchet and spin in only one direction. And then they had these things. I think they were called power cranks. Same deal. So power cranks had a ratchet in them that if you weren't applying forward pressure, it would both sides could freewheel or spin backwards. So if you didn't know how to apply even forward pressure through the whole pedal stroke, you could find yourself with both feet up or both feet down. Does that make sense? Yeah. It was incredibly hard to figure out. Well, I spent, I was bored, dude. I spent an entire winter trying to figure out how to ride power cranks on rollers. I never could do it. 
I never could figure out. And the power pedal, same deal. Instead of your cranks ratcheting, freewheeling, you, you literally, if you did something wrong, the pedal would lock up and you could throw yourself off the bike. I, dude, I bet you both of those products are gone because people got jacked. Yeah, they were like, hey, so I'm going to sue somebody, and it's unfortunately yeah. going to be you. <laughs> Please send me all of your money. <laughs> so those were all things that, dude, I spent money, and I toyed with it just to keep myself entertained training indoors during the winter. I mean, it, you know, I was doing everything I could to stay motivated. So I, I get it. It's hard to stay motivated, especially dirt bikers. You know? I mean, you want to be outside in the woods or whatever. Yeah, just, for sure. You can't even ride, you know, so you're not even riding. And you're trying to train and find reasons to, to do all that, but you're not even riding, so the instant gratification isn't there. Yeah. One of the things uh, I was talking with uh, our mutual buddy, Greg Hammond uh, from Concept2 Rowers, and uh, yep. we were, I was kind of saying, I, I'm, I'm feeling better. I'm physically more fit from my shoulder surgery. I'm ready to kind of, I guess, go back into some, some quote-unquote normal training. And for me, I say training, but it's just, I, I come to the sense that I would like to just live a healthy life, and so I want to have two to three days of working out in there that I just call training for life. And I told him I want to kind of get back into that, and and he was saying, okay, cool, well, how about a 30-day challenge? And I'm like, well, I've never done a 30-day challenge before. So, and, and just kind of on an overall thought, what are your thoughts on like 30-day challenges and these 60-day challenges we see people kind of, you know, uh, um, I think it'd be, it's yeah, I think those are fine if you're starting from zero. You know what I mean? Like, right. if you just need to start from zero and get going, I think all those are fine. I mean, you're talking about, like you said, you're talking about two or three days. Yeah, totally fine. Um, I'm really surprised Greg just didn't imagine that instantly say CrossFit. <laughs> right. You know, uh, and, you know, I, I have a CrossFit facility. I think it's great for general fitness, like you were saying, like one of those kickstart deals or people who aren't specifically training for one sport, kind of training for life. And, you know, that it's very motivating. You're always in a group of people. You're somewhat competing with them. And, dude, I mean, think about it. You have a whole industry and giant qualifiers and regionals leading up to a giant televised live CrossFit Games. And what are they doing? They are all working out in fours and they're extremely motivated. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, uh, yeah, and we've, we've definitely talked about CrossFit quite a good bit. Um, I, I have done CrossFit quite a few times. I love it. I, I just haven't found a way to get back into it. We're about to have another baby. So with all the things that are coming, I know the, the paycheck is going to be slimmed down to almost nothing. So, yeah. uh, you know, th and those are things you just kind of have to work through on your own and figure out in life. So I'll be back to a box at some point, but I'm still, we're still trying to figure out when that's going to be. Um, we did get a couple email questions that I kind of wanted to ask. And again, like sure. we could kind of just go all over the place. There's no real format for this by any means. Um, so this was from Monty, uh, who is actually one of the main doctors that goes over with the, uh, team, I, uh, the team USA to the ISDE every year. Um, and he asked, what are you doing right now to measure recovery in your athletes? Um, so my, like Andrew Short's a very seasoned professional. He can just tell about the way he feels. It's, you know, he gets up in the morning and gives himself a good hour to get going, and then he calls me and lets me know. And Monday's the big day for us. So Monday, we race on Saturday, travel on Sunday, and Monday's the day that we decide, okay, are we resetting the week before we recover from the racing last week, or do we still need to recover from last week? 
but he can tell me just by the way it feels. Um, younger people like Jason, they're kind of on the fence all the time. Um, I do several things. Uh, you know, this is very old school, but you know, you can as soon as you wake up, alarm goes off. You can uh, relax. You're gonna kind of get startled by your alarm. Put your finger on your carotid artery on your neck. Count your pulse for 10 seconds. Immediately stand up. Count your pulse for 10 seconds. And you write that down as a fraction. And it's just you, right? So it's just relative to you. You will notice that when you're about to get sick or you're not recovered, those two numbers stay further apart. When you're fresh and recovered, when you stand up, your heart rate goes up. But when you're fresh and recovered, your heart rate tends to recover really fast. Hmm. Those numbers get really close together. So that's something that at least I know pro-cyclists have done probably since the 70s. Um, and so well, I also have a, uh, we call it metrics. Uh, all my guys record metrics on this uh, online tool that I use. And there's things like, you know, obvious things like body weight, but there's also quality of sleep, hours of sleep, subjective level of stress, fatigue, soreness, and overall. So they rank themselves from one to seven. And seven being bad, one being good. So, I'm sorry, the other way around. One being the best, seven being the worst. Right. So if four of those metrics that we measure are five or above, then it's like automatic, okay, you're not recovered. So that's kind of a numerical thing, value-based thing that I have to use for younger people who are, let's say, Andrew, who can just nail it by way of people. Well, that's how we judge recovery. But, you know, if it... I'm always going to believe what the athlete feels before any numbers. Yeah, and, and I think that's a really good point too because I, I, I'm, for whatever reason, call it I'm a pansy or maybe I'm just cautious. Like I, I know when I'm kind of like on the verge of getting sick, and I, you know what I mean, like how I feel in my body, and I'll go to the doctor to kind of be like, hey, is it, you know what? Because he kind of knows that I know this and that I like to be active. I don't like to be sick in bed. I don't like to not be able to to go out and ride my bike if I want to go ride. So he'll kind of help me out with maybe uh, you know some vitamin you know some vitamin shots and stuff like that um, yeah. to try to help quell that. So yeah, no, listening to your body, smart. Um, yeah, there's a, there's especially a when you have an arousal and your wife's around and you're like, hey, what's up, baby? <laughs> yeah. How you doing? Yeah, there's a there's a flip side too. You know, I would say it's a little personality based, but some people will be like, oh, you know, I'm not recovered yet, and now and it just depends on the person. Like, hey man, we'll do this. Get on your bicycle. 30 minutes, super easy. Go super easy. Just cruise around like you're taking a walk on your bike. If at the end of 30 minutes you feel the same or worse, okay, you're resting. But if after 30 minutes you feel better, you're doing your workout. Right. Because a lot of people are just, they got to get going, especially at the beginning of a fitness program. People, if they're just sitting around, and they've had a whole job, and say they were off all day Sunday, they're traveling all day Sunday, they're going to feel like junk on Monday no matter what. They, they got to get their body going, and then they'll feel better. So it, it depends on the person for sure. Cool. Well, uh, I just realized it's something that I wanted to talk about is uh, to, to switch gears really quick is, you know, now, Andrew Andrew Short is a fly racing rider, and I would imagine that you get a chance to use a lot of fly racing product. Would yes. You, would you say yes to that? So you, you probably are pretty – have you had a chance – to see and being a cycling guy i know you know about these products but have you had a chance to see their new uh windproof jersey that they came out with no i actually looked with andrew had mentioned they're coming out with a new mountain bike helmet they have some you know bmx related gear uh and i haven't i have a competing sponsor there i have cycling sponsors 
So I'm kind of obliged to use their stuff first. So I don't really get to use the fly cycle here. Um, but from what Andrew has told me, they're not like how it's going to be sick. Their stuff is getting better, but I haven't personally used their jacket. Right. Well, that's okay. So what I wanted to talk about was the, the windproof jersey. I have gotten one. They are in stock now, so you can order them. Um, they are f- absolutely fantastic. So it was... I want to say it was 19 degrees with a wind chill of under 10, uh, 10 degrees. And I wore, now I went to the line in my jacket, but when I started the race, I literally, I had the fly racing full sleeve uh, base layer on, uh, the title gloves, and then that windproof jersey. And now granted, as you race, you get a little bit warmer. And of course, this was a 9 a.m. race. So by the time the race was over, about two hours later, the sun's up, it's a little bit warmer, all that kinds of stuff. But uh, I was actually warm by the end of that race. Um, and it was probably only in the twenties at that point, uh, that windproof Jersey works fantastic. I did get, uh, I had another one, another rider that I let, uh, borrow it. Now they are not a fly racing rider. So they wore it under their Jersey. Um, and they loved it as well. They thought it was absolutely yeah, fantastic. Fun. Now I like, you were, like I was telling Dale at fly racing that being in the cycling community, um, we, we've had stuff like that for years. You know, uh, there are companies yeah. that make these kind of short sleeve and long sleeve uh, windproof uh, material. This is the first time I've seen it in the motorcycle in the motorcycle market. So, I think it's a really cool piece of uh, technology that's out there. Uh, if any of you guys listen to the show haven't checked it out, please go check out flyracing.com. You go to jerseys, windproof jersey. It's the first one there. Uh, it's a. It, it's not. It's not a gimmick. It's not just a different kind of jersey. It is a windproof jersey. If you ride in any kind of cold weather or places where there are a lot of wind, uh, it can work great as an under jersey or as um, you know as the outer jersey. I wore it on the outside with the base layer underneath, and it was fantastic. Um, I'm That's really cool. hoping that they come out with like a short sleeve. I'm hoping they adapt it to what we're kind of used to in the cycling industry, where they take that that windproof technology and maybe put it on like one of their short sleeve base layers for maybe next year. Um, and that way it can kind of be dual purpose. They can use it for their, their cycling community. Uh, and as well, then they can have it for uh, dirt bikers. So. Yeah, dude, I, I'm not just plugging them. I see, I just saw Craig, the owner, shoemaker at the last race. I see him all the time at the race. You know, since he's an owner, if you just think things flow downhill, those are really good people. Oh yeah, they're so much fun to hang out with. What 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 makes them even better, people, is they are actually uh, they're they're going to sponsor a brand new award that we have coming out um, with Seat Time. So you guys know here at Seat Time, we're we're big big proponents of uh, have enjoying a pint full of awesome. Now that doesn't mean that you have to go out and drink. That does absolutely nothing to do with drinking. A pint full of awesome is going out and enjoying life. And it could be a pint full of water. It could be a pint full of you riding your bicycle. Uh, doing something cool on your dirt bike. So what we ask is be very social and you go ahead and use the hashtag pintful of awesome. Um, and in, in any post that you make where you have a cool picture that you want to submit for the competition, maybe a cool video uh, of you doing a wicked wheelie or maybe you kind of gooned out a little bit and you had a wicked wreck, um, all, you know, don't go out and crash on purpose because that'd be stupid. Or maybe you even yeah. have a really cool story about um, a, a riding trip that you took with your dad, took with your buddies, a race weekend, all that kinds of stuff. What we want to do is we want you to hashtag it with pint full of awesome. Um, and every week before the show, I'm going to go through Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and any other kind of fun stuff that pops up. 
I'm going to look at those hashtags, and I'm going to pick a winner. And Fly Racing, on a weekly basis, is going to give out uh, a Fly Racing prize, and it's going to be the Pintful of Awesome Award. Um, so That's that'll be cool, fun. Man. So I think what we should try to do is get Andrew Short to submit sometime this weekend in Oakland. What do you think? Yeah, I'll tell him for sure. Dig it. That'll be that would be really cool. <laughs> We're gonna we're gonna get a bunch of Supercross guys this weekend to be like uh, to be hashtag and pint full of awesome. It's weird. The whole moto community is all about social media. Like it, Jason can hardly put his phone down. Like every rider I know is just all about it, except for Andrew. Huh? Like it's like he almost doesn't care, and you have to remind him to do it because it is good for him. You yeah. Know what I mean? it's, 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 when he does it, he does a good job, and it's it's strange how he, you know, I mean, he's much younger than me. I would think he would, he would be way into it. But yeah, you almost have to nudge him. Like, hey, man, it's a very good show. Yeah, I know that guys like uh, like Zach Osborne, they got off of Twitter and stuff like that, and they barely use Facebook anymore because they they got too into it. Like you were saying, like yeah. Jason Anderson, kind of always on his phone, always talking about that stuff. They were the same yeah. way, and their wife was kind of like, "Hey, you need to." What's up? I'm over yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> so it happens. But yeah, no, cool. So I'm going to remind you, and we're going to try to get okay. you to talk to some of your Supercross guys this weekend, and uh, we're going to get some pipe full of awesome tags up in there. And, uh, you know, maybe if they do win the award, they could give it to a fan. Because... Dude, I'll do it. I'll take some pictures. Of the... There you okay. go. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. We're going to get Coach in on it. Dig it. It'll be a lot of fun. So we look forward to that. And obviously, huge thanks to Fly Racing for one, not just being a sponsor of the show, but two, for coming up and uh, we kind of came together on this. I was trying to come up with ideas and they wanted to get involved in something like that where they could, you know, help give back to all the viewers and fans. So, yeah, get in there, do it. Thank them for their support on that one. Okay, so we did have one other question uh, from our friends, uh, Jamie. Now, he listened to the last episode that you were on, which we titled High Glycemic Index because we were talking about a lot of carbs and proteins and things like that and the sugar the sugar content that comes with those um and he did actually because of i guess my the way that i spoke to him about crossfit he did join a box and he's loved it a lot of big changes in his life but um he he says he wanted to know do you have your athletes train with heart rate monitors and why and i think he's specifically referring to your crossfit uh, tr- uh, athletes at this point and then how do you uh, s- how specifically do you use them and he says my crossfit coach hates me wearing mine during wads usually i only wear them on conditioning days when i row or when i'm on the aerodyne or running so maybe yeah. maybe if there is a difference for you as a trainer of motorcycle riders and using a heart rate monitor versus maybe at the box why you would or wouldn't i think that would be a really cool reference too if there is a big difference yeah i use heart rate monitor okay so for my Motocross, Supercross guys, they pretty much wear a heart rate monitor all the time. Are they using it? They're only using it to moderate their intensity when they do cardio. So bicycle running, swimming, anything like that, they will use a heart rate monitor to control their intensity level. All the other activities, riding the motorcycle, uh, CrossFit, you know, they're, they're not doing CrossFit right now, but say in the offseason they might do CrossFit. The only reason they're wearing that monitor is so I can look at it and maybe piece something together. So say Andrew, he never looks at his heart rate monitor while he's doing a Supercross motor. I look at it later, compare it to the 50 other files I have of doing a 20-lap model at this particular track at this time of day, just to see if I can see something. You know, sometimes I'll see like, hey, Andrew, you know, you did your 20, 
you know, the average heart rate was actually seven beats lower during that moto than it usually is. Do you feel bad? Did something happen? So because I'm remote, right? Like sometimes I'm not welcome. So I use the RM monitor in those cases just as another set of eyes for me if I'm not there. If I'm there, it doesn't matter. So it's kind of a two-sided question. Yes, we use it to moderate intensity. Strictly doing cardio as a single mode of uh, exercise. Then we use it all other cases. It's just for me to look and observe, um, you know, remotely. Okay. And then, and then how, how would you or how wouldn't you integrate a heart rate monitor into CrossFit? I wouldn't integrate it. Uh, CrossFit, okay. So CrossFit, this is actually a really good question for people who don't know CrossFit. Uh, so maybe you or I, or traditionally we think of fitness as divided into strength, flexibility, and cardio. And when we do cardio, how fit are you? Oh, I did two hours and a heart rate of 150. Well, CrossFit doesn't care about that. Their definition of fitness actually goes back to very basic physics. It's about how much work in joules can you do. So it's actually super scientific. People don't know this, but... CrossFit is based in pure physics, and it's how much work can you perform as a human being, just like you would maybe want to know how much work a machine could perform before you bought it. It's literally, it's mass over distance divided by time. So in CrossFit, since it's mass over di distance divided by time, you know, intensity would be wattage, work would be joules, they don't care about heart rate. It's a very interesting and to me a very correct way to think about fitness so their definition of fitness is the the fittest person in the world is a human that can do the most work in humans that's their definition of fitness okay. another definition would be how many watts can they put out which would be the uh, like intensity level of making all those jewels so heart rate to them doesn't matter so if you're a hardcore crossfit coach you freaking hate heart rate monitors. like that's not at all fitness. so yeah i don't I don't think anybody at CrossFit needs to be wearing a heart rate monitor unless they're just using it like I use it to remotely look at that. It's the same like, oh, well, yeah. this looks kind of funny. Maybe you're sick or getting sick or, you know, something's wrong. Um, so, kind I, of a long-winded long answer, but... No, I, I would yeah. almost, like, and, and I wore mine for a while, honestly, just because I was like, man, what is going on? I want to see it. You know what I mean? Like, I just, yeah. I want to see the numbers, like, because it's so neat nowadays that you can kind of graph that and, and see see how I think you could go and maybe, you know, you do a mile run and you, yeah. you, you, one month you do a mile run, you go for a full month doing CrossFit training, you do it again after that month. Not only one, are you definitely going to be faster, but two, I, I always think it's interesting to see how those numbers change. You know, it's like, does, does your resting heart rate while doing that mile run, is it actually lower? Is it higher? You yeah. know, and stuff like that. But I guess yeah, I'm kind of like a tech geek, so I like weird graphs and numbers like that. So, But I, I understand where you're coming from as a coach yeah. because really it's more of a distraction because then they're just looking at the watch like, oh, my fucking heart rate's going through the roof. Yeah, I, I want to add something here, so... Uh, I'm a, you know, dork. It's my job to use technology and, you know, monitor happens. But if, if you get a GPS-enabled monitor, and even if you just store that data and you don't really look at it, I like you were saying, hey, I did this workout. I did a 30-day challenge from seat time. Did I actually get fitter? Well, if you have a GPS-enabled monitor and 
mean, what is what is getting better? In running, it would be, it's not really the heart rate, it's the, the average speed, right? So I did 20, say you're testing 20 minutes. So on first day of 30-day challenge, you blast out and you run as hard as you can for 20 minutes. What's the real number? It's not the heart rate, it's your average speed. You know what I mean? It's your right. average pace per mile, which a GPS monitor is going to track no matter where you go. That's the beauty of that GPS monitor. Is Thirty days later, you bust out. You know, you do your twenty minutes again, and as long as your average speed is better, you did get there. It doesn't matter what your heart rate says. Right. You know? Okay. No, that makes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I think that you know when someone gets a heart rate monitor, they go, "Okay, this is specifically to tell me about how my heart's performing." When in the long yeah, run, they, that's just a small key to a much bigger picture. And sometimes I think we could probably get caught up on that that small detail yeah. opposed to that bigger picture. It's funny to me because I'll, you know, I live in Austin, which is a very, very fitness oriented community. And everybody wears Garmin. You know, I'll stop next to a stop sign. I'll see a guy broken out on his, you know, whatever Garmin software computer. And I'll just ask, like, hey, I'm a coach. I'm just interested. What do you do with those numbers? And dude, nobody gives me an answer. Like, <laughs> Dude, you know, it's on these, Strava, bro. It's on Strava. Yeah, exactly. You have all these numbers, but it doesn't affect their training because they don't do anything with them. So I guess what I'm saying is, especially the GPS monitors are not that expensive anymore. If you could just sit down for 20 minutes and figure out what all those numbers are, it's like an incredibly powerful tool um, that I think is completely underutilized because most people dork out, want this cool gadget, Oh look, my heart rate was 140 over here, and then it was 180 over here, and I did this climb and I peaked out at 185. Okay, awesome. So then you download it, you look at your graphs, and you're all pumped on yourself. What did you do with that information? Like a heart rate monitor isn't helping you, other than being entertaining, unless you took that information and, and, and had it positively affect your program. You know? Yeah. I don't know. I, I, you I live in, you live in Austin, so you that. deal with a lot of hippies and. Uh... And little, uh, yeah, you know, I hipsters. That's what I was trying to say. Hippies are cool. Hipsters are the ones that are like, whoa, man. Yeah, the hipster thing is kind of new to me. I wouldn't think the hipster thing would happen in Austin, but it's it's slowly encroaching on the hippies. I don't like it myself. Weirdos. Okay, so this is a fun question, and I want to see what your kind of answer is. This is from uh, our uh, our buddy, our good buddy Dale, who's in the chat room right now, and he says, "I'm just wondering." How can I get my belly in shape enough to handle extreme amounts of recreational beverages? Mm. Well, training is super specific to the activity. Bam! Yeah. Drink more to be better at drinking, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, your drinking fitness can only be improved by actually drinking. <laughs> dig it. I dig it. Well, so, yeah, so it's like if you want your Saturday night to be awesome, your Monday through Friday night needs to be training. It's like, like mini bits of awesome. <laughs> yeah, uh, dude, everybody's done it. They don't drink for a while, then you drink again, and it throws you for a loop. You know? Oh, I, I can only imagine. I have uh, I haven't had a sip of alcohol since uh, since New Year's. And, yeah, uh, it's been quite interesting. This is another bit that uh, that that our buddy Greg and I have been talking about is is kind of you know when to bring alcohol into the mix and stuff about because like I said, I'm trying to regroup on a lot of stuff, and with the new baby coming, there's just a lot, a lot coming at me right now. And so I'm just kind of like removing a whole uh, segment right now for just for a little bit. So it's less money by not buying as much uh, alcohol. And so it's, it's unfortunate to not have the beers and the ciders and such. But hey, 
you know, it, I, it's, I, I guess I'll be healthier for it in the long run. Right. Tell me, tell yeah. me, tell me I will be coach. Tell me I will be. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's funny to me. It's again, it's the kind of person that like, I don't know how to say it. Like if you can't relax and you can't honestly relax and some people cannot honestly relax without a little nudge, you know, and it sounds funny because I'm a coach and I'm just you know, saying people can judge me or whatever, but if drinking a glass of wine or having one beer makes you relax at the end of the day, that's so much better, I think, for your recovery and your overall health than not ever relaxing. Yeah, it would be better if you could do it without it, but I mean, I've seen it. I've seen people who didn't drink who were super uptight and like, they hire me and I'm just like, I hang out with them and I realize they're all wound up, wrapped around the axle about everything and it's 9 p.m. and I don't understand how they can go to sleep and not have all that stuff rolling around their heads while they're sleeping so their sleep's not actually that good and I'll say, I say, hey man, I'm your coach and I'm going to go get you a bottle of wine. You're going <laughs> to drink it. And then you're going to go to sleep because, dude, it's just, you know, yep. modern society is super high pressure. It's, yeah, and it's and I find it it's interesting that you say stuff like that because I've been dealing with that too, and that's another reason. Uh, I when we were at Big Sky, I was hanging out with Dale, and you know there were lots and lots of nights of uh, going to the bar with Big Stu, uh, one of our buddy Stu Baylor's dads, and uh, man, I would come back and I was on a lot of drugs, and I'd take those drugs and go to sleep, and they got on me. They were like, "Dude, you like this is how movie stars die," and I was yeah, like, yeah. "Holy shit!" I was like. It, it, and it's one of those things where I'm an educated person. I knew that, but it wasn't until that they really brought it to my attention of what I was doing to myself that I was like, whoa. So it was like back in August where I was like, I'm going to start paying attention more. And I've gotten to a place now where I don't have to take anything to go to sleep anymore or to fall asleep or to stay asleep. And, I, yeah, and, awesome. and I'm really happy about that. You know, and, and a lot of it comes down to that routine at night. Um, you know, and you gotta I, get relaxed. Yeah, and I'm I'm a, I'm a guy who is on his computer up until I get into bed. You know, so it's tough when you're in that situation because it's just like the light on these computers is bad for yeah. us in that sense. Like yeah. I mean, just the stimulation, all that kinds of jazz. So you just got to find what works for you. And I found it, and I'm happy about it. But that's a whole nother show. We could definitely uh, get there. So one of the other questions that we had from Jamie um, is that, and he he says that he got a lot out of that last episode. Big thanks for doing it. Um, is in the last episode, you said you were getting about 60% of your calories from fat. He said, Ooh. I try to do the zone diet and to accomplish 60% fat intake, he said he had to times his fat by three. In six weeks before and after, his weight stayed the same, um, but his body fat dropped about 2%. He was hoping he was going to be dropping weight having done that and it's like so he wanted to know if you had any thoughts maybe he went about it the wrong way or any kind uh, of uh, maybe a new way to attack what he was trying to accomplish by going through and eating more fat uh, so he got body fat which you know I would expect um, if he's and I don't know anything about it so I don't know if he's I'm assuming he's training so your body composition changes with training you know hopefully you're gaining more muscle mass than and dropping fat mass. Well, if you're gaining muscle mass and dropping fat mass, sometimes you're going to gain weight because muscle's so much tension than fat. The kind of common thing to say is, you know, well, judge by how you're close to not wait for a while because you are gaining a denser tissue, you're gaining muscle, so you might actually weigh more, but your body fat percentage went down. I mean, right. He's looking at the right thing. He's saying he lost 
body fat, that's all you care about is are you positively changing your body composition? So he needs okay. to focus on that. If he wants to lose mass, mass, and he doesn't care where he's losing it, whether that's muscle or fat, I mean, generally, you just have to drop your total number of calories for a while. Okay. But I don't recommend it if he's training. Right. Because, yeah, because he's, I mean, he, he needs that, that fuel to burn to, to then yeah. train. Yeah. Um, we had a good question come in from the chat room from a G Messer 57. Um, he said, sounds like, uh, he, he's wondering if lower intensity for a longer duration is what he needs for good enduro training and, uh, how can he get a good upper body work, uh, besides just riding more like, uh, so uh, it seems like a little, uh, a little ambiguous, but I guess we could kind of, yeah. you know, pinpoint it however you feel you, you'd like to. Yeah, compared to motocross and supercross, he's correct. So your intensity goes down and your duration goes up. He's positively right. So enduros are hours long, you know. So you're going to have to do, you're basically cross-training for an enduro if you're using a bicycle or whatever. You're going to have to go longer, which means you're going to have to drop your intensity. So he is correct. Longer operation, cardio workouts at a lower, you know, use zones, and we use five of them, so... If you want to think about a five sprinting all out, you know, to the point where you're not going to be able to stand up. One is, you know, recovery zone stuff. For what he's doing, you know, the first three zones are where he's operating predominantly at that running with that level. He wants to put a lot of duration in those first three zones. And those are, they're, they're hard. I'm not saying they're hard, but it's more about controlling your intensity for a long period of time. So he needs to do the same thing when he's on his bicycle. Uh, he's talking about upper body work. Nothing can replace riding. So the more you can actually ride, the better off you are. If you can't ride, then you want to, in my opinion, especially for barrel guys, if you want to mimic, mountain biking would be awesome. I mean, that's so closely mimicking a lot of the movements that mountain biking would be ideal. It's more entertaining anyways. But, um, uh, what I want to say also for upper body workouts is to not ignore the opposite movements. So a lot of people have shoulder injuries like you did. And I had a lot of clients because of shoulder injuries because all they've ever done since they were five was run a good fight. So you got to do the opposite motions, the opposite, you know, the different kinds of movement. So you know, just want to throw that in there. Right. Yeah. Um, I kind of have a, I don't know if it's an addition to that or maybe another question that kind of goes with that, but um, to you is I noticed that now that I'm kind of to a point now where I'm feeling much more comfortable on the bike, I'm, I'm back to a good pace where I'm riding. The one thing I feel like I'm really, really lacking besides just overall strength that I haven't completely uh, rehabbed yet is, is that ability to recover extremely quickly. Um, so say riding, 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 and either, a, I make a really big mistake and I have to correct from it, be it maybe I, I biff it in the corner and have to pick the bike up or, you know, I kind of, uh, I, I, my front end kind of washes out a little bit and it shoots me off into the woods and I kind of have to like just manhandle my way through the woods to get back to kind of where the trail is. Little things like that, obviously, when, one, you've got the freak out period and two, you're, you're, you're using, you're more manhandling the bike than you are flowing with it so your, your, your heart rate's going to go up. And mm-hmm. I find that I'm like, I, I, I just immediately mentally go, remember to recover when I try to get back, when I get back on the trail, I try to breathe deep and get my heart rate back down slow. But I feel like I have a lot of issues sprinting again after that. So what are some situations where I can kind of maybe, though I don't want to train to wreck, 
but that I could train to kind of be able to to handle those situations a little bit better. Yeah, I have done some of that with younger riders. Um, so part of your reason your heart rate gets elevated and then you're tired later is you, you dump adrenaline, right? So you go down, you dump adrenaline, just that by itself will jack your heart rate and actually make you tired later. So part of it is attenuating that response, you know, hopefully toning that down. Um, another thing is you're actually picking up your bike and possibly kickstarting. So with these younger riders, you know, I would notice, you know, these younger teenage riders would lay their bike down and it would be done. They couldn't finish them under their dunzo. So it sounds funny, but I would actually, you know, turn their gas tank top off and my track is sand. So I would lay their bike down in the sand and I would make their bike fly on their back. And I would blow a whistle and they had to stand up as fast as they could, get the bike up as fast as they could, I would hold the bike and they would lay back down. And I would actually make them do it like 10 times. So that they got kind of accustomed to two things. You hit the ground, you better get the freaking, you got to get up. Like people are coming, you might get hit. You're teaching them as soon as they hit the ground, they get up as fast as they can. But you're also like ingraining this pattern of it's routine. Like I just got down, I picked my bike up. It's routine. I'm not going to freak out. I'm not going to jack my adrenaline. I've done it a thousand times. It's like a mental thing. You know what I mean? So yeah. I actually did that with younger riders, with amateurs. I haven't really done with pros because they've been around the block so many times. It, that kind of thing really doesn't happen in them, I don't think. But a little, you know, I would say 13, 14 year olds, I would actually, you know, lay the bike down, make them lie flat on their back, blow a whistle, and get up as fast as they could and get their bike up. And then they lay right back down, I would do it again. And it actually worked. Because there was this one kid I had, dude, he would pick up his bike one time, little 85cc. Kickstart it and be done. And it was just him freaking out, you know. Yeah. So I just did it so many times where it was like, oh, okay, I'm down. I'm down. That's why I love the magic button on my KTM. Yeah, awesome, huh? Oh <laughs> yeah, baby. I don't. I couldn't like. It's funny. I was listening to Pulpamex, uh, the Pulpamex show from last night, and David Villeman and uh, Steve Mathis and uh, Chris Kiefer were talking about which which. Uh, which two-stroke they would buy and uh, they were really adamant about the 07 yamahas because um it, which would be an 07 to now yamaha yeah because yeah and i'm like i'm like why would you do that and they say that the ktm uh vibrates too much and i'm like man that doesn't make any sense having a chromoly frame that it vibrates too much and granted I, i'm not great at being smart on a bike or you know truly knowledgeable but it was kind of weird to think that they would say that i'm like and a ktm has an electric button. Like, who wouldn't want? Hey man, that? I, I work with Chris Keeper, and that guy is one hell of a test rider. So, if Chris Keeper says the KTM vibrates. It, it vibrates. Oh no, no, guy. yeah, no, and I definitely agree. Like, he would be the guy to be able to notice that way over me in yeah. in, in those situations yeah. for sure. I have an 09 YZ250. I love it. Oh man, I love that thing. Yeah, dude, two strokes are where it's at. It is two stroke Tuesday. And then, you know, it's like you might not even be going faster, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, it sounds like you are. Wee, 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 wee. <laughs> cool. Well, I want to talk really quick about uh, one of our other great sponsors, and then we have a fun little clip that we got from some of our friends this weekend that we wanted to play. Um, that I kind of, I, I, I'm kind of going to kickstart 
the uh, the pint full of awesome award, if you will, with this clip. So, of course, uh, big thanks to Power Sport Graphics um, for their support of Seat Time. For the, those guys who don't know, when we did the KTM uh, Seat Time shoot back in 2012 with the brand new 2013 300XC, um, we got the graphics through RyPG. Um, we ordered them, had them uh, created by those guys over there. Great process. Um, I had changes. They were easy to work with, easy to get those changes done. Um, they've also been working on getting all the seat time stickers for us. Um, so they're, they're great partners. They know how to work with anybody out there. If you have requests, if you have custom orders, they can do that kinds of stuff for you. Um, I think what's neat too is they have like ready to ship options and all kinds of good sales on their website. So you can go to their website, ridepg.com, and you can find those, call them up um, and be like, hey, I saw this you know, this discount code or this coupon on your website, can I use that? Yeah, absolutely, dude, what's up? And then, of course, you could use the seat time discount, which can be used with any other discount to save you an extra 10% off of any order that you place there. Um, I, I, one of the things that I think is pretty neat is uh, I've got some of the, you can't see them on this computer, but they're on the other one, um, some of the neat little, the mini plates. I've never really had those before, um, but they sent me a couple when we did the the kit for the bike, and I thought that that's the coolest thing ever. I mean, I gave them one to my mom, one to my dad, and my wife's got one on her car. Uh, I've got one on mine. I, I don't know. It's just kind of neat, and then it's it's fun too because like when you see guys with those on their truck or car or whatever, you're like, "What's up, dirt rider?" And you just go by and you know give them the "What's up" uh, when you drive by. So that's always fun. So big thanks to uh, Ride PG and for uh, Power Sport Graphics. They've got a lot of big stuff going on. It sounds like they just started Power Sports Group. Um, so they're going to be doing a lot more stuff at their shop there in North Carolina. Um, you could definitely find out more about that at their website as well. So big thanks there. So, Stephen, give me a head nod. Are we okay to play this video? All right. So this video that we're going to play was from David Powell uh, there at the, T at the Toro race this past weekend in uh, Callisburg. It's uh, our buddy David Mulholland acting like a fool. So unofficially, officially, I'm going to give this the, uh, the first pint full of awesome award. Uh, and you guys get to see it first here on Seat Time. Yeah. Did you actually come into that before? <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> you gotta love it. I know you can't see it, Coach. But you'll be able, you'll be able to see it uh, a little bit later. No, I'm actually looking at it online. Oh, are you? <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, so that dude's pissed. <laughs> you on the ground, oh, yeah. pissed. <laughs> so, the, uh, the, the gentleman that uh, ran into everybody on the white KTM is uh, our buddy David Milholland. And uh, Patch is the guy with the camera who got run into. Uh, and Scott Bailey was the one in the middle that kind of. I guess uh, the first domino in the whole uh, the whole deal. So it's pretty interesting. So definitely, uh, I wanted to give that some kind of a good award, but I was like, you know what? We're just going to unofficially call that the first award of the pint full of awesome. Uh, so when we, I'll post that up tomorrow, and I'm going to hashtag it uh, for those guys. And uh, yeah, so really appreciate them uh, passing that along this past weekend. Great times out at that race. So uh, coach, I want to know when it comes to to off road. What are some things that people really should concern themselves with, and what are things that pe that some people just probably look into too much, and that it, it may not be worth as much time as they think it is focusing on? Uh, the first thing I want to say is learning better riding technique is going to trump anything you do in fitness. So, 
you got a hundred dollars to spend, spend all hundred of it on a technique coach. Okay. Because that that's free speed, right? That's getting faster without any energy spending. So you can be a fat out of shape guy and actually go faster. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, we've got a couple of those in Toro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm just saying, like, you know, if, if that's the first thing. So you got to get the technique down first. That's the most important. Um, I think, you know, it, it could be just for fun. But I think people spend way too much attention on their bike, like titanium foot pegs, bikes, different seats and all this hop-up stuff. And, you know, I, I'm guilty of it as too. I put a better pipe on my bike and it make me faster. No, I just thought it was cool. So I get it if that's the money I spend, but then you can't complain later that you don't have any money to spend on fitness or technique. So that's another thing I want to add. You know, you're going to get faster if you actually learn how to ride better and you're going to ride better longer if you get fitter. Nothing you bolt on your bike is going to overcome uh, a lack of fitness or a lack of technique. Right. I would say that's something that I come across all the time. Um, if, and I'm just guessing on your average listener, uh, for average listener, I think people spend way too much time in the gym throwing weights around versus general conditioning. So uh, if you only have, say, two hours a week and you get to ride one day on the weekend and you're, like, spending both days throwing iron around, uh, you know, if you're actually thinking about performance gain and riding water, you're going to be better off doing part of it. The the awesome thing about CrossFit is it makes weightlifting cardio. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's what I love about CrossFit for the average guy. It's the most efficient way that I've come across as long as you do the technique right and don't get hurt to kind of incorporate strength training, recruitment, getting quicker, all that into one single less than one hour workout so um you know it's not because i own the crossfit either i'm honestly saying if you only have two hours during the weekday to do something i would do crossfit and i would do it correctly so uh i don't know what else to add other than that oh i know what to add if you're not healthy uh you might get away with it if you're young for a little while, but all your technique work and all your fitness work eventually is going to come to a crawl if you're not healthy. So, uh, lifestyle habits are huge, diet, sleep, stress reduction, all that. Um, long term, like I said, you might get away with it for a very short time, but it will come up and get you if you don't address those things. So, uh, if you're Mr. 90 hour a week, super stressful job, come home, juggling three kids, you know, everybody goes to sleep, oh shit, I didn't even eat dinner, now I'm eating whatever I can grab, now I sit at my computer till midnight and be stressed out and go to sleep and because I went to sleep looking at my computer and answer stressful mails, uh, my sleep isn't good, it's going to get me and it won't matter what you do uh, training, so. Yeah. Interesting. Well, cool. Oh, that's some good stuff to think about for sure. I, I, I like all that. I'm trying to figure all that out. I think it's it's interesting because I'm not 35 yet, and by no means do I think 35 is old. I do not. No, I think age, age, age is definitely a number, and you're as old as you feel and as old as you want to act, uh, to be completely honest. But what I have noticed is that I've seen a lot of people in, uh, in, in I guess, my part of life where the family starts to become the main 
the main the main thing you do you take care of your family making sure you're raising your kids right and spending them the right amount of time with them you, you kind of start to lose touch with a lot of the other aspects of life yeah and when i say that i think it's 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 about it's realizing what our bodies were meant for and to make sure we keep up with that because we have gotten to the point now where we're okay sitting behind a desk for eight to ten hours a day we're okay then coming home and sitting on the couch and we're okay you know sleeping until the alarm goes off for the third time um and it's it's those little things that i'm trying to change this year i want to make sure that i'm paying more attention to my family and that i'm paying more attention to trying to be healthy just not be fit or be you know to train to ride i want to like try to learn how to live healthy um, hey, so can that, i throw something in here yeah please do Okay, so I'm 45, and I just had a baby seven months ago, my first one. And so I'm, I guess, 10 years older than you at least. Um, you know how you said you wanted to be home more or be around your family more and all that stuff? Well, if you're not healthy, it, it, it's not going to matter. You know what I mean? Like, right. if you don't keep yourself together when your kids are 16, I'll be in my late 50s or something. If your kids aren't able to throw the ball with you, to go run with you, to do these things, which I would consider kind of normal, um, what does it matter? You know? So I just think if you can't find the motivation to train, to, to, it, it sounds backwards. If you can't find the motivation to stay healthy, I guess, or be healthy or have a healthy lifestyle, um, to better your writing, then think about that, you know, like how how long in your life are you going to be able to actively do things with your kids because and I don't mean disrespect to anybody that I've ever worked with, but in my career, I realize now that I've had a kid that some people were paying me basically to do those things with their children that they weren't physically able to. Like I thought about that, this is a to me. Right. That's I've interesting. Yeah, I've been paid plenty of times to essentially ride my bicycle, go lift weights, go do all these things with teenage and high school kids because the parents were not kids. Right. Which huh. is sad, really. Yeah. You know? And it's tough, um, too, because you, it's like you, you never know. I mean, the part of that too is like their kid wants to do you know they want to race whatever it is and they're working three jobs to do this but at the same time yeah they're doing yeah. that for their kid but it's like it, yeah. there's there's zero there's zero them in that and and i there's such a yeah that's a topic we could probably talk about for, that's <laughs> yeah, a whole other just, thing dude i did not think about that you know i've been doing this training game for 20 something years and, you know, i didn't think about that for a couple of years yeah that I've been paid plenty of times, and again, no disrespect to anybody I've ever worked with, but I've also been paid money to work out with wives because the husband was unable, whether that be job or health. And then again, it's kind of yeah, weird, you know what I mean? Yeah, dude, what? I say it a lot, and I, I think I'm the only. I've never heard of this. Maybe I shouldn't say it. But I always say, hey, when you're lying in the hospital dying. You're gonna actually care about. You know what I mean? That's what I say all the time. So, if you are making it up, you're stressing about what freaking meals go on your truck. You're actually stressing about that. But when you're dying, you're gonna care. No, you're gonna care. You're gonna care that you lost the time 
sticking around with your wheels and you know, hanging out with your family or whatever it is. You know what I mean? So same deal. Like, are you going to be dying in your hospital and then caring about? Oh, you're never going to hear. Right? Oh, I wish I would have worked more overtime and made more money. No, I mean, you might hear. Wow, I wish I would have come home early and played games or whatever. Yeah, you. Um... One of the things that we touched on, actually, when you were on last time, uh, was we'd had a question from the chat room, and I figured maybe they didn't get a chance to listen to it. So CRF Rider 524 in the chat room, just so you know. Um, okay. High, high uh, glycemic index. You can go check out that episode, and we're probably going to cover a lot of that. But I'll still ask the question. Is He wants to know, are protein powders and shakes good or evil? Now, we've covered a lot on supplements, but I would just kind of, you know, that's the question, so... Tell them your answer. Okay. So, assuming the protein powders were a reputable manufacturer and pure and it doesn't have a bunch of junk in it, it's whey protein is not some crazy conglomerate, I would only use protein powder in batter emergencies where you could actually, you couldn't actually eat your own food. That's the only time I would use that. Because it's pre-digested, it's actually processed, um, you know, and I, I, I had a look at a research article about that in my mind, you can't beat the natural source of protein, which is the powder. You know what I mean? Like, so I, it, I guess I'm not giving a very clear answer. If you want a clear answer, I say avoid protein powder and go through the trouble to make yourself some real food. If you absolutely cannot get the real food in, then I say, okay, well, if you have to use a protein powder, use one that it's repeatable, it's pure, and, you know, go four to one ratio of carbs to protein and, you know, have it within 30 minutes of your workout. I think we'll kind of go overboard a little bit on the recovery protein. You can't really process more than 20, 21.2 grams of each meal. So most commercial drinks are in the 40s. You can have it and save yourself the money. Yeah, and I remember, what too, one, one of the big things that we talked about on that last episode um, was you know you being at all of these events and races and stuff like that with these amateurs? It's seeing there's just you know down in all these sugary sports drinks. Yeah, um, and, crazy, all, and, and when dude, dude, drink water, 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 water. Like yeah. that's that's yeah. what you need. You're buying is water. Um, and sure, you need to replenish your electrolytes, but the amount of electrolytes that you probably really need to replenish aren't near the amount of actual water that, you, that most riders well, need to also, be drinking. Also, dude, like what is the average amateur motocross race? You know, you're out there for like seven, eight, nine minutes. You know, you didn't you didn't burn that many carbohydrates. You don't need to go pounding sugar to replace the forty five calories you just blew in your seven minute moto. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there's a lot of like weird things. I just you know, you don't need all that sugar for sure. You need water before you need anything. You do need some electrolytes, but the point where you need electrolytes is way beyond the average duration. I can see how in an enduro or a works race in the summer, yeah, you could probably use little electrolytes to help you water. Yeah, you definitely don't need sugar. Yeah. Well, uh, I kind of wanted to see, you know, it's it, it's been about an hour, and I know we ran a little bit late getting you on here, so we definitely appreciate your time. Um, I kind of sure. wanted to know if you had any any way that you thought of that you wanted to wrap this up or on your end or, or any of that kind of, you know, stuff. Anything, any last words of advice? Um, 
Well, what's up with your, what is your 30-day challenge? Okay, so my 30-day challenge, uh, probably should have prepared a little bit more for this. Uh, my 30-day challenge, let's go ahead and see if I can do it from memory, is so 30 days, every day is 75 push-ups, as many chest-to-ground push-ups as possible. They do not have to all be in one sitting, though. I can do 75 push-ups throughout the day. Um, 100 squats a day. The 100 squats, though, are all at one time, and they are as fast as possible. Pass parallel, um, and obviously good, best form possible. You want to make sure that your knees are past the toes of your feet, uh, all that kinds of fun stuff, and that your weight's on your heels. Um, it's uh, three protein shakes a day, uh, and I think the, the the reason that Greg was saying this is to try to try to up up uh, the the protein the mm-hmm. amount of protein that yeah. I'm eating. Now he did say you know if you can eat it, you want to have like I think it was you know whatever try to eat my weight in protein is the idea every day. Yeah, it's, uh, one gram per pound per day. Yeah, yeah. Whatever you weigh, convert that to grams. Eat that. Yeah, and then. Eight 16 ounces, 16 ounce glasses of water a day. And he said, if I don't get, if I'm missing two of those glasses of water even before I go to sleep, he said, regardless of the fact that you're going to have to wake up and pee, you have to drink those glasses of water before you go to bed. Um, And then the last thing was, he's like, you need to get at least eight hours of sleep every night. Now, again, this was kind of like a recharge kind of thing, opposed to like a weight loss challenge or whatever but and that's every day uh yeah for 30 days uh you're gonna get bored for one thing oh yeah doing the exact same thing so my suggestion would be to change it up maybe say do what you just said two or three times a week and do something else the other day it's just to change it up you know um yeah i know greg really well i should miss the guy uh, you know, I wouldn't be opposed to, you know, Sunday or whatever, me and Greg work together to post the new week if you want to change it. Hey, that could be cool. We could do like a, like a, let, let, we could post it on the website or Facebook or whatever. Yeah. And we could do like an official yeah, kind we'll of just, thing. Yeah, we'll just assume that, you know, we have to do lowest common denominator. So it sounds like what you guys came up with is no, no equipment. Yep. Body yeah. 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 And that was that was mainly just because of the fact that it, you know try to, oh the squats for me were with a forty five pound bar, but obviously yeah if somebody weren't 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 to have that then yeah. no equipment so you can, will still be you fine. can say yeah like lowest common denominator no equipment, um, you know I'd be happy to help out with you know for me and Greg together and be like okay we got to post the movie. Dig that it. way you don't get bored, dude. You're gonna get bored. You can't do that crap every day. You're right. Nobody wants that. All right. So this is what I'm going to talk with coach. We're going to email back and forth for the next couple uh, week and we're going to post up for February 1st. We'll post up about it, but we'll start a seat time 30 day challenge on February 1st. Uh, Feel free to partake. Feel free to not partake. Feel free to make fun of those who do partake. It's okay. Uh, However you want to get involved. If you'd like to, you're more than welcome to. So this will be fun. Uh, it'll be a, an interesting, an interesting challenge, is, uh, to say the least. So February will be interesting, and it sounds like I'm going to be sore. Yay! <laughs> well, cool, Coach. I, of course, have a few things I'm going to wrap up here, but by no means do you need to hang around for those. So we really appreciate your time, um, all of your advice. Love it, and I can't wait to see some of your pictures from this weekend for uh, tagged pipe yeah. full of awesome. 
Cool, cool. I appreciate you guys having me on, and uh, you guys have a good night, and uh, we'll make this challenge kind of fun. It's going to be a good time. Thanks, Coach. You have a good night, and uh, make sure you hug your baby tight. All right. Thanks. You too, man. Yeah, man. Take it easy. Yeah. Wicked. So cool. Um, Of course, before I have a, a couple more random bits that I wanted to talk about before we wrap up the show, I wanted to say thank you to our our uh, one of our other great supporters of Seat Time is Stillwell Performance. Um, I have been running their uh, suspension on my bike uh, since October, and it has been phenomenal. Uh, the past couple of races, I know that I have been having a lot better success while riding, especially coming back from my recovery um, because of the fact that they've been helping me with my suspension. Um, I packaged it up so they mailed me um, a specific box for my suspension made to you know their specs mailed off my suspension uh, we had a, I did a rider survey online and then I had an interview with Alan Stillwell and they did all the work and since then him and I have gone back and forth I've, I've texted him while at the track hey it's kind of like this I feel like this he's texted me back or we've been on the phone if we could catch each other on the phone um, it's been a fantastic process um, and I've learned a lot about suspension, that's for sure. Uh, it, it's really taught me that kind of I can start to think think for myself while out the track, and I don't feel so lost when it comes to dampening or suspension tuning and things of that sense. Um, as well, I know a lot of people out there with the newer KTMs are, are thinking, well, I have this new 4CS cartridge fork. Um, people are having a little bit of trouble getting the tuning right. Um, it sounds like they've got it dialed. They, they keep telling me we have we are stacked full with 4CS forks in there that they're getting done. So please, if nothing else, I think you should give them a call, get in touch with them through their website, which is stillwellperformance.com. Tell them you heard about them on the show and you want to know more. Um, from there, I definitely leave it up to you. It's your money. But I know that these are people that you should at least be reaching out to if you have any kind of questions about suspension, uh, tuning for your suspension of your bikes, maybe possibly even getting your suspension done. Really appreciate them for being a supporter. Seat time. So stillwellperformance.com. Some of the random stuff. This past weekend, I raced out at the Toro Race in Kalisburg. I got second place in the 30A plus class. A lot of fun. The track was really cool. Um, it wasn't, I wouldn't say too rocky, but it was gnarly in the sense that it was kind of like that tight, twisty, flowing trail. Um, it was a lot of fun. Uh, two hours worth of racing. Cole Kirkpatrick got the win again. Bobby Garrison got the whole shot and was leading for a really long time. But unfortunately, he had a mechanical where his uh, his spark plug actually unscrewed itself from the head. I mean, w when does that happen? Uh, so that sucked. And he said he, somebody came and got him, got him some tools. He screwed it back in and kept going. He finished four laps. Um, but unfortunately, uh, it wasn't enough, obviously, to keep up with those guys. Um, so Cole Kirkpatrick got the win, uh, Drew Higgins got second, and Zach Ingram got third. Uh, so happy to see Drew doing so good, and obviously still to see Zach. Zach is now on uh, Yamaha 450, for those who don't know, and his younger brother is in the light, uh, light A class. Uh, so a lot of fun. Looking forward to uh, the next Toro event is going to be in a week and a half in Denton, Texas. So for those of you that might want to come to that event, it's a lot of fun at the Bryan Story property. And then we've got Redneck Roundup coming up as well after that, which is going to be bitching. It was a ton of fun last year. Really looking forward to that. Um, I thought it was interesting in the past uh, couple months, we've had uh, the time about the Husky team getting announced. So two weeks ago, we had Jacob Argebright on uh, after he had just gotten his first win. Um, and it seems like the team is just doing phenomenal. They're really excited. Uh, Mike Brown's getting ready for some uh, enduro crosses that he's going to be doing in Australia. I uh, saw Toby Price has got his uh, 350 all souped up down there on Australia. So they're getting ready for the Enduro Crosses that are going to be going on down there. Russell Bobbitt and Andrew DeLong are waiting for their series to kick off. Um, I noticed Andrew DeLong finally got his 450. 
Um, I don't even know if Russell Bobbitt's gotten his 300 yet. Um, so it's going to be cool to have Andrew DeLong in the next couple of weeks to talk to him about his, all the training and prepping that's going into that bike um, and how the teams are really gelling and, you know, prepping for his first season in the XC1 class. And I think it's going to be phenomenal. Um, another bit was uh, Air Group. Air Group Radiant Racing announced that they are going to be on Huskies um, and it's going to be Nick Ferringer and Ryder Lafferty. Really cool. Super happy for those guys. It sounds like they're going to actually have factory support, um, which is going to be fantastic for those guys. I, I'm really looking forward to Nick Ferringer being kind of backed again. It seems that that Air Group group, Air Group Radiant group has really been growing. It almost seems now like you would call it a satellite team uh, for Husky, and uh, I really would like to see how that's going to help these guys. And Ryder Lafferty getting the gig, I think that that's super cool for him. Um, his dad, uh, you know, big big time trainer and racer as well, so it's really neat. Um, big news that just came out, and uh, those guys were actually on a whole nother show this evening uh, talking about it. I'm looking forward to being able to have them on the show to talk to them, is that JCR, uh, Johnny Campbell Racing, pulled out of Baja officially, and they are going to be focusing on the GNCC with Chris Bach. Um, so we have seen Chris Bach doing kind of a privateer deal um, really back and forth the past couple years. Um, on, on what his program was going to be. And it, it seemed very solid this year, though it was very privateer. I mean, he put everything together. It was all of his money. He had to make all the deals and stuff like that. So um, it was tough. But he got third in the GNCC series again. Um, I, I think he's there. I, he, he just needs that really solid backing, I think, um, to see how it's going to go for him. But I'm looking forward to it. And JCR, so Honda's going to be officially back in the GNCC racing um, and Johnny Campbell, years and years of racing knowledge, maybe not in specifically GNCC, but that, that knowledge that he's going to have coming in, I think is going to be fantastic, not just for his group, but also for Bach. I don't know that Bach has really had a mentor as a manager, um, so it'll be interesting to see how they kind of develop together and really bring all this stuff about. Um, and as well, I don't know if you guys have noticed that there's definitely been pictures of Josh Strang on a Yamaha. Um, so he will be riding a Yamaha. Um, it seems like it might be a, a Ampro supported deal. Um, so he might be getting some help there from Ampro with that Yamaha. Um, but he says it's really fast. He's had a lot of fun riding it. He's been in California, uh, past couple weeks. He's going to be coming back to the East coast to really start dialing in his GNCC training next week. Um, and he spent a lot of time in Australia. He said, just kind of hanging out, you know, he did do some riding, did do some training and stuff like that, but he had a lot of just catching up with family and uh, enjoying life a little bit that he had to do. <laughs> I can only imagine that it is very, very needed. So it's going to be, it's going to be cool to see. Um, I really appreciate you guys being in the chat room. We've had a very active chat room. Um, uh, guys like Dale coming in, Jared Bolton. It's good to see, uh, you know, Dustin back in there. Uh, and then a couple of the uh, people that I haven't seen before. So big thanks to CRF rider, uh, for being in there and, uh, for a couple other people asking questions. So, Super excited on that kind of stuff. So what's coming up next week, um, we're talking with a couple different riders that we want to catch up with. Guys like Andrew DeLong, Brad Bakken, Nick Ferringer, Josh Strang, Chris Bach. Um, I want to talk to these guys. They've got all of this stuff is finally coming to fruition. Um, so let's find out about it. Those are the kind of things that I want to, to know and I know that you guys want to find out about. So we're going to start doing a lot of prep work on coming into the seasons. Um uh, if you don't know, Zach Huberty and myself signed up for the Concho Enduro. We're gonna we signed up for Row 23. I don't know if we got it yet, so it'll be interesting. I'm pretty sure he's faster than he's going to be faster than I am. 
Uh, so I'm not even going to try to uh, to fight for that pecking order. I'm going to let him go with whoever is uh, is our double-A rider, and I'm just going to follow their dust. Um, but it'll be fun, and I'm looking forward to it. So late March, that'll be a good time to be able to hang out with him. Uh, yeah, a lot of cool stuff coming. I'm looking forward to the baby that's coming in, fe- in February, uh, early March. That would be cool. So another episode of Seat Time, episode uh, 112, kind of. Uh, we had actually, we said it was 113 the last time. It was actually 112. So we're just going to call this one 112 this week and just kind of go with it. And we'll pick up with 114 next week. We definitely will be back on. As we said, we're waiting for some new equipment. So hopefully uh, our video feed, uh, you're going to see some interesting quality updates there. Uh, really excited about that. Of course, this is Seat Time. You can find us, seattime.co is the website. Um, where you can find all the archive information and where we talk about just little random tidbits about the show. Now, if you're looking for daily news, things like that, you definitely want to follow us on Facebook. So facebook.com slash seat time is where we're at there. That's where all the fun tidbits get posted. Um, we're very active there. Uh, a lot of conversations go on. Um, or on Twitter, so twitter.com slash seat time underscore co or at seat time underscore co is our twitter handle and then of course we're on instagram and it's just regular old seat time we're very active on all of those so please follow us there uh conversate with us it's gonna be a good time happy to announce the new pint full of awesome award uh sponsored by fly racing and brought to you by fly racing is very very pumped on that can't wait to be giving away some of their great product for people for all their fantastic pictures videos stories whatever it is that you want to uh, submit for the award. We will announce it once every week. You've got your chance, man. So get in there. Just hashtag it. Pint full of awesome. We want to see it. Um, what other kind of fun stuff we got going on? Big thanks to all of our supporters. So flyracing.com, uh, flyracing, flyracing.com. You can go check them out. Uh, Powersport Graphics is ridepg.com. Discount code is seat time. And then of course, uh, Stillwell Performance is stillwellperformance.com. You can find us on Stitcher and iTunes if you just want to listen in, in audio. We've been seeing the numbers increase there. A lot more people subscribing. Super pumped to see that. Uh, we've noticed a little bit more people watching live as well. Super pumped to see that. That's why we're putting in time and making this set a little bit cooler and a little bit better for you guys. So we really appreciate you tuning in. Uh, have fun out there. And remember, uh, always enjoy a pint full of awesome. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs>